Yeah. Even though, even though health problems have made it so that way I can't really go inside all the time anymore, I'm still there, still helping. Nice, nice. Freddy, you want you want to go next there, Freddy? Chris, thanks for that. I'm tired, you know. I started back in the nineties. Please riding horses on the front, you know. Tailboard ride. Tailboard. Tailboard, yeah. Tailboard back in the nineties. Uh, I've done some tailboard riding in my day. Ah, uh, see, that was outlawed by the time I started. Yeah, yeah we. I, mean, I haven't done this since 2010, so because I got bad kidneys and I was on dialysis for many years, so then I just retired from there and haven't gone back because I was on dialysis for several years. Yeah, I did fire police though. I played the traffic. <laughs> was bathroom, was oh, and then fire cops. I was crossing, you know, orange guys, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, I hate doing traffic. Yeah. Uh, 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 I almost got run over in front of my house doing traffic. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> nice. Yeah, back so day, for... I was in, I was in so back in the days to drive a little truck, you know, a little field truck or a little... Nice. But yeah, lots of war stories, man. As we all do, I'm sure. Right, yeah, yeah. Alright, guys, for for the ones that don't know, I'm FF Dad. Um, been in the service now, oh shoot, a little over 13 years. Um, right now, I'm part of two different fire departments. Um, over here in the Central Washington. Same thing as rescue. I've been from probie clear up to. I've gotten uh, to captain. Um, then I moved and dropped back down to probie again, and now I'm, now I'm just a regular firefighter, and I, I love it there. I don't have I don't have all the admin responsibilities. You know, I got I just go on the calls and do my job. That's all I do now. Yeah, that's one thing I can say that I don't miss from being an assistant chief. I, I'm an engineer now. I'm a chauffeur. I just drive, drive the truck nine times out of ten. And I like it that way. It's a lot less paperwork. <laughs> right? A lot less responsibility. <laughs> you just make sure the white, trucks get there. <laughs> that white hat kills brain cells. <laughs> right? Hey, look at Freddy in there liking the stream. And Vernon. Yep, and as you hear, you know, we have uh, have our radios going most of the time. I mean, mine's always on just because, well, you never know. Like we were, like we were talking about uh, today is, uh, you know, I was on my way home from one call, and we watched a car accident happen right in front of us. A couple of minutes ago. It just, it never. Never ends. Yep, never ends. Never know. It happens. <laughs> it happens a lot. More than, um, more than people know. More than you want. More than you want, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Um, yeah, so the next thing, I guess, guys, is... Uh, I know we've kind of talked about what we want to get out of the podcast, so I guess we can, we can talk about that, kind of talk about what we're... About what we're trying to do with it, I guess. 
I'm a, I'm just content because I get to sit here and you know BS with a BS with some good people and have some fun. So perfect. Freddie, I can respond to all the comments. We're gonna respond to comments if anybody's got questions, right? Right, absolutely. If anybody can ask questions if they want any questions on anything or maybe no one knows any guys. Yeah, I mean, really, this, the podcast, like I said, we're doing we're doing two things here. We're live streaming this, but we're also going to upload these to, uh, we have a podcast website, and that's also going to upload that to Spotify. Um, so we're going to be able to, you know, people are going to be able to listen to us on the radios when we upload them. But I know that myself, and I, I think I've seen a lot in rescues as well, a lot of people have a lot of questions about the job. Um, tons of questions. Tons like of questions. most of my stream, people are always asking about the fire service and this and that. It's actually really kind of cool because the way I do it over here in central New York may not be the same way you do it over in Washington. It may not be the same way somebody else does it over in Ireland or South Africa or something like that. So. The fire, fire departments, you know, they were all over the world. We're one gigantic family. We do things different, but it's great because you can always learn. Absolutely. And I got a, I got a question right here, and I, I we'll start with rescue since re, we just kind of keep going on this thing. Uh, what was the reason <laughs> the three of you wanted to be a firefighter? Well, I, um, it's in the blood. It, it once that once that you know once that smoke and sulfur get in the blood that's it um i have wanted to be a fireman since i was about three years old and my grandfather um brought me to his fire station and put me on the old 1926 sanford and ran me around town so uh i've wanted to do it for ever um and i finally was able to do it and uh interesting side note my first fire department that i joined my number in that department which is 33 um was actually my grandfather's number in his department and my grandfather you know even when he wasn't able to really run calls anymore he was an honorary man he loved seeing that that number had by chance found its way to me, it was kind of like passing the torch. Nice, nice. Ready? <clears throat> well, I lived in, uh, none of my family, well, I guess my uncle was a firefighter, but none of my family was in fire service. I think what came for me is a 88. There was a uh, major fire in the next town over. Took out two, uh, two blocks and like five structures and took out two apparatus, a engine and a ladder. And uh, they were there for a couple of days trying to put that place out. It started at a lumber yard, and the lumber yard just jumped across the buildings and just took the half the town out. So we even, you know, I'm there filled up, we're like an hour from Philadelphia, and they had Philadelphia's units up, that's how bad it was. So, big fire at 88, you can probably look it up for purposes. So. Just thinking of that, and then uh, you know, uh, some of my buddies, I guess, were 
with him, Bob, so I think it was with my buddies. I think that's how it always started, you know. We all, a couple, if, we had, if we had friends involved and we all get in these juniors and stuff, that's how we all get in. Right, yeah. Most of them now, most of them all are, don't even do it anymore. Most of the guys that I started with. Yeah. Yeah, mine, mine was the same as, the same as rescues. I, uh, my dad was an EMT. Uh, he became an EMT the same year I was born, uh, in 91. And I remember, uh, being four years old, the very first call I ever got to go, I got to sit in the front of the ambulance and, uh, play with the sirens as we went to a call. And uh, ever since then, I just that's just what I was gonna do. And uh, as soon as I turned eighteen, I signed up, and I haven't looked back since. Yeah, knobs and switches, man, they're addicting, <laughs> right? Especially when they make noise and do cool things. <laughs> exactly. Although sometimes I just I don't know what it was. I have no excuse for this, but I um. I remember one time I got into uh, the officer seat of the engine. This, I was an LT at the time, and uh, we were just got done fighting the fire. Didn't even wasn't even thinking about it. And I went to go stretch, and I hit that one little funny button that sat on the floor, and I about blasted somebody's poor eardrums out. <laughs> we had that happen so uh, last Saturday. Uh, we were coming back from a from a structure fire with the with a new ladder truck, and uh, my captain who was driving went to move his foot and hit the queue right there, right out of our roundabout there. And this lady, I she not only probably had a heart attack, but she literally jumped the curb. We saw air in between the tires and the road. Uh, yeah, she <laughs> she had no idea what the heck to do. Uh, it was it was bad. Uh, right. Yep. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting at the back. I was clear. I didn't. It wasn't my fault. Yeah, but no, the guys with the podcast. You know, we're gonna have, uh, you know, uh, interviews, stuff like that. You know, Rescue's got friends that are uh, in the service. Freddie's got friends that in, were in and are in. Um, now I have friends that are in as well and uh, you know we'll have different people coming in and out you know talking um, hopefully uh, at some point we'll be able to show like cool new products and stuff that come out that's you know way later down the road um, yeah Christian Josh is doing for 10 panel coach fireplace so. Yep, Josh, yeah. Josh is a decade Josh is a decade right now and then Chris he's still an engineer, so Yep, exactly. So our whole uh team. That's why we got well, a car for logo also. Once in a great while once in once in a great while my uh my chief ends up stopping down this way, so um might actually be able to talk him into coming on at one point in time. Um uh, he's got a lot of time in uh even though he's probably about 10 years younger than I am. Uh, he, he was firefighter in the service. He's a paid firefighter now, not to mention a volunteer chief. So. Right, yeah. Claire, I'm doing good, hanging out with some buddies, doing our uh, okay. our first podcast. Oh, hey, there's Josh. Speaking of Josh, he's here. 
<laughs> he's right. He's um, right here. <laughs> yeah, and you know. My... Actually, oh, sorry about that, Mike. I didn't mean to jump over you. Yeah, and, and you know my um my fire chief, you know, it'd be where I did it on my uh on my phone, but he loves to talk about his job and what he does, and um you know, so absolutely we we're gonna have people like that on here, um you know it's it, it'll, it'll be fun, guys. We've got a question from Rescue Nation over here. Christopher Castle says, have either of you dealt with brush fires that have gotten out of control because the person wasn't taking precautions and was doing it on a windy day? <laughs> Every brush we're fire? Gonna go, we're going to go with Firefighter Dad on this one to start because you're not throwing me under the bus first. <laughs> um, to answer your question, uh, yes, Every brush fire is seems to be started that way. Uh, we had one last weekend that went to second alarm. Um, he started the pile in the morning. We got called up there. All right, yeah, you know, just watch the wind. You, you have the water. You know, you're supposed to. You're doing what you have to do. And sure enough, the wind picked up, and he lost control of that, and it turned into five acres. Um, so yeah, pretty much every every brush fire, especially over here in Central Washington. Same thing. Rescue, yours over there? <laughs> uh, I'm right here. I was giving Freddie time to, you oh, know, Freddie? regale with some uh, of his experience. Not a brush fire. Well, I was on a big brush fire on a, a uh, at least uh, one uh, junkyard caught in a brush fire. Oh, Perfect. We actually got all stuff stuck in the middle. We got surrounded by fire, so we had to go and get rescued. Uh, well, it <laughs> rang and then we ran out of water, and then the fire surrounded us. Uh, so. Rang and that's the that's gal that's answered it. And they said he talked to David Parks, and boom, they done. Turn any direction depending on the wind. So that was good. I wasn't on hold very long. Okay, so now I guess no, it's really. my turn then, huh? <laughs> I've got an embarrassing story. Names will be changed to protect the idiotic. Yeah, no, nothing. Um, but what? there is this. Uh, well, we're kind of streaming. We're doing a podcast One right guy now. who actually, believe it or not, was the You're on my podcast. Of my fire department. Uh... All three of us are uh, firefighters, so we started a firefighter podcast. Yeah. He was, it was getting to be spring like it is starting now for us, and um, he discovered that there was, like, a bud hornet's nest or something like that in the sandbox for that his first plane. So he decided that rather than trying to spray it out and stuff uh, stuff like that, he was going to use a can of WD-40 right, and a lighter that, guys. and make he, he a blowtorch and basically cook them in the hive. You know, the funny thing about, uh, about you know, flying insects, when they catch on fire, they don't stay put. They fly away Hi, Mandy. on fire. He ended up setting... This we'll vacant hay field a minute, Claire. that sat in between his house and the neighbor's house, 
on fire. <laughs> and uh, he tried to control himself, and then he ended up he had to he had to call defeat and have us take and have us come out there. Um, but um, yes, this uh, well we'll take and we'll say his name is uh, Robert. Uh, yeah, reporter Robert has never lived that down to this day. Matter of <laughs> fact, my old department has an award ceremony that happens at the. Um, banquet called the Golden Helmet Award and it's given to the two people who have done the most idiotic things that we have either witnessed or witnessed on a scene have been called to or something like that they've got to be members of the fire department and uh, yeah poor Robert has um has taken and has won that helmet three years running by the time I had left. Jeez. All right. Uh, Claire's got a question. It says, do you love your job? Every single day. I mean, I, I'm i a volunteer, so I guess technically it doesn't consider a job, but, you know, I love it. I would not imagine doing anything else. Ready? Oh, yeah, it was great when I did it. But, you know, it's not all action-packed like everybody thinks it is, you know. I would say, like, what, 75% of the calls are, you know, long systems or wire calls, especially during storms or, uh, you know, DS calls, you know. You, you get in the truck, you get there, and it turns out to be, you know, end up turning around and go back. So it's only about 25% actually turns into something real. You know? Yeah, it's it's not always what you see in movies or TV or something like that. You know, it's not always the whole glamorous, you know, fire coming up behind you as you're striding heroically out of a burning building with, you know, somebody draped over your shoulder. That doesn't happen. No, no, it doesn't. And we don't all look like the guys from, you know, Station 19. With the rip dabs and stuff like that. that no, 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 uh-uh. No, no, that doesn't you know? happen. Hi, Martin. But Hi, let everybody. me tell you something. As a firefighter, and I'm sure Fred and, um, you know, firefighter dad Mike can tell you guys, it takes just half a heartbeat from a bull crap call to go to an oh crap call. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I wouldn't trade being a firefighter for, for anything. Um, that was the best decision I made when I turned 18. Um, yeah, and, and the same thing, same thing that these guys were saying is, like, today. Yeah, okay, we had a car accident happen in front of us, and it was a little action-packed. But right before that, we were on a, a nice, sweet little lady that fell last night and was on the floor all night and that's about 80% of our calls well you know we have the 80% that are just EMS kind of know nothing calls you know fire alarms stuff like that um probably another another 10% at least here that are uh, brush slash wildland fires and then another 10% you know vehicle fire you know the, the high adrenaline ones um 
So really, I mean, there's a lot of times where, you know, you'll see us going to something and it, and it may be nothing, you know? Three o'clock in the morning, most of the time is, is nothing calls. They're, you uh, know. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, some people, I understand you got some of your outsider's frustrations when you see us come flying past you with our red lights and sirens and everything. Then all of a sudden, we turn the lights off and we slow down in front of you, and you're like, well, what was that all about? That was, we had a call, and then they decided to turn us around, which happens a lot because many chief officers, and uh, from my experience as one, and anybody else who's been an officer can tell you this, I'd rather have help coming and having to have them turn around than to have to take and wait them to actually get toned out and get on the road. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we had that happen. We use the term uh, slow down here, which is a new term for me. That's not what we used to call it. Um, but going to a call, it sounds pretty serious at first. We're all running lights and sirens. First unit gets there. Oh, it's not that bad. You guys can slow down, which means we just turn off the lights and sirens. We still go, but we turn off lights and sirens. And, you know, people get frustrated that they think, oh, well, you're just trying to go through the light and stop something. No, no, we, it was legit. And then we had, you know, it wasn't, wasn't serious. So the, the way we see it is if there's not a reason to be running lights and sirens and going faster in the speed limit, then, then we slow down because it's, it puts the public at risk. It puts us at risk. Um, cars there's a lot of people it's surprisingly don't know how or where to pull over when there's an emergency vehicle coming and that's that's dangerous for us pull to the right pull to the right always pull to the right but a lot of people i had we had somebody uh we were it was last weekend in our tower we're going in the oncoming lane because of the, the two lanes of uh a uh, traffic at the stoplight were full and the light turned green, and this person decided to turn in front of us. And it just, it's, it's crazy. Um, but that's, you know, not safe for us or for you guys. So that, that's why yeah, we use the term safe, slow down. Safest thing, pull to the right for flashing lights. No matter what, pull Absolutely. them over. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Claire, Claire Freddy, asks, unless you've this? got another question, I've got one here from my stream. Uh, do yours, and then I got one here, too. I've got a couple of them, but I, I'm going to do one of mine, then we can do one of yours. Absolutely. Um, I got Charlotte Jackson saying, I hear fire, that the fireman's radios have an evacuation alert. Like, you press, press the man down button, and the push-to-talk switch, and it sends out a long tone telling firefighters to get out. No. What the tone is, uh, some radios might, um, and I have a radio, it actually sits on the other side of the room that um, I can get and show you. Um, there's a little orange button that sits on the top of the radio, um, and that's what they call a mayday button. You see it, Freddie's got Fred, one Freddy's got right, one right there. there. Yep. Um, and basically, when you hit that, it's the crap has hit the fan. You have gone from oh crap to oh crap, oh crap, oh crap to oh. And um, that's when you have to send in your 
um, your special response team, your RIT team, and uh, basically when whatever channel that Mayday gets called on, command, the rescue team and the firefighter own that channel. I don't care if it's the primary dispatch channel for the county. Those, th those three people own that channel until the mayday is done. Absolutely, yeah, and ours, same way, we push that, and that actually, our, our radios are programmed to us. So like my, my unit number here is 5018. If I push that, that goes to dispatch and says that there's a mayday situation with me, um, and if I can't talk, they will get on the radio to whoever the commanding officer is and say, 5018, mayday situation, close channel. Yep, that button right there. Um, that's... Uh, no, mine, because mine's not the same radio. It's one that, if I have one from the station. Um, but they close the channel, and that's, that's my channel. I, I own that channel. Uh, until they get me out. Alrighty. Uh, question from Claire. Do you um, use... I, sorry, 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 Mike. I just wanted to take a oh, yeah. to put it next. I forgot. Um, Charlotte, evacuation is actually different. Um, all of us firefighters are taught if you What's hear up, Adam? three loud blasts on the air horn, in succession that is the universal get out of dodge yep drop your line tools that doesn't matter you just you get out yep yep all right uh claire asked do you use jaws of life yes we do still use jaws of life um we don't call them that though we call them spreaders um so, you know, we're on a scene. Get the spreaders. That's what they're called to us. Uh, Jaws of Life, you know, that, that was an old term for the public a long, long time ago. Um, so we just, call them, we just call them spreaders. But, yes, they very, very central tool for extrication in vehicles or you can use them in buildings. I mean, yeah, very, very central tool. Yeah, and they have a lot of industry names hearse tools or the hydraulic tools or what have you yeah. spreaders cutters that's what we call them yes it's called the jaws of life but actually the spreaders is what is termed as the jaws and it's only one part of that extrication tool basket that we have we've got cutters we've got rams we've got all kinds of stuff do you ever get to use those, Freddy? Oh, you're, you're muted, Freddy. Freddy, you're muted. You're, you're muted, muted, Freddy. Yourself, Freddy. Yeah, you're muted, Freddy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're still muted. That's why I was talking. I was muted. I forgot to be muted. <laughs> no, uh, I always ran into companies that have rescue trucks, so we'd always have to be, you know, we, we would be the engine company on the lines or whatever like that. Uh, I did a lot of, we did rescue training, you know, and anytime we do training, we used, used to get to it. But, uh, we would all, you know, I was always in the second or third truck, so it's like, always going to get no fun. <laughs> right. I mean, not, not that it's fun, but. Yeah. You know, yeah, we. Know, 
I want to play. I want to play. I want to give it a shot. You know, whatever rescue truck it is, you know, they got their their guys all trying to. Right. Like I said, it's two post stations I always ran, but never had a rescue truck. Yeah. They're cribbing Jenga tools. Yes, yes, Chris. That is a training where we play Jenga with wood blocks and tools. That helps us do our our precision training. Yeah, we. Um, I was fortunate in my old department that uh, our one of our assistant chiefs used to work at a um, at a bottled water plant. So the sample water that couldn't be sold or whatever, um, he'd get like couple cases of that and we do okay pick this up pick up the bottle of water and stack it with the cutter without opening the water that yeah or uh the other one they do too is the egg we have to take the egg off one cone and put it on the other cone without cracking the egg yes yes what's up rest Hey, um, after hours, I'm gonna need you to. Um, hold, hold on, guys. I will be right back. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, while we're waiting for rescue, um, Freddie, uh, you can you can go meet with us uh, too. Do you have a hose stretcher? <laughs> one, of, one of the greatest pranks ever to play on a probie, I, I can tell you this. <laughs> Did you ever play that prank, Freddy? Oh, yeah. I was in you guys, yeah. Yeah. We're looking at it right here. Hose stretchers. <laughs> Hose stretchers right here, yep. Yeah, that we, um, yeah, yeah. you do that. We you use that prank on the probies all the time. Tell them to go find you the hose stretcher. And a lot of them are they I mean you just see them digging through the trucks trying to figure it out um yeah that's uh that's a good prank <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, another one uh, do you guys carry radios with you on family road trips just in case of a crash on interstates um no I, I don't because I have my cell phone um I can call in you know, the 911 anywhere on my cell phone and just say, hey, off-duty firefighter, this is what's happening, and still give them the same information. Um, the reason is, is radios are programmed to certain frequencies. Um, like mine right now, if I were to leave and go to Idaho, I would not be able to talk on it because I'm not using the frequencies that they're using there. I'm using the frequencies that I have here. So I would not be able to trip anything. Yeah, rescue. There's rescue. Rescue's back, and I'll have rescue talk about those two things too. While he's back, well, kinda. He's an XSplit.com. I'm working. I'm working. Oh, there he is. I'm working on it. <laughs> nice. Uh, so the two questions that you missed, uh, rescue. Um, one, do uh, did you have a host stretcher? Probably one of the greatest pranks ever played. <laughs> oh God. Do I have a story for this one? Okay, so 
For anybody who doesn't, I'm doing good, Will. If you want to, if you were ever wondering what a hose stretcher is, look in the mirror. <laughs> yep. Because Absolutely. if you don't stretch the hose, it ain't getting stretched. Okay. So we had a probie join. I was an assistant chief at the time, and I figured, okay, good way. Seeing how we have a couple new guys who would come into the fire department, good way to get familiar with your truck. I'm going to do truck our monthly truck checks as a drill. Everybody goes through the trucks. Everybody looks at the stuff in the trucks. You get a familiar. You start getting familiar with where stuff is. And I took this one kid, and I was like, "Okay, now that we've gone looking and looking at everything, yep. Okay, you." I'm going to say Jeff. I'm not going to embarrass the kid. Uh, Claire, what, like, are you, what are you trying to you say? You go find like me basket. the hose stretcher. Climbs all around the engine, the main structure engine, looking for the hose stretcher. Comes back to me about five, ten minutes later and goes, I can't find it. Where is it? And I'm like, well, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is too good to pass up. I, I've got to share the wealth with this. And I sit there and I go, well, you know what? Maybe it's on the rescue engine. So go talk to Robert and ask him where it is. So I do that. He goes asks the ask Robert where it is. Robert goes says, I don't know, it's on the truck somewhere, look for it. And as this kid is going through the other engine, Robert takes pokes his head around the corner, looks at me, and just shakes his head. Five minutes later, the kid takes and comes back over to me and goes it wasn't on that truck. Well, maybe, well, you know what? There's, there's hoses and a pump that's on the tanker. Go look at the tanker. No. <laughs> so I sent him over there where one of the other assistant chiefs was doing it. Doesn't take him quite as long to go through the tanker when the other guy tells him to go look at it. And uh, the other guy comes walking over he looks at me and he goes, you are not a nice person. I'm like, I sent him over to Robert before I sent him to you. And he goes, why? Why? I'm like, because I'm bored. <laughs> because I'm bored. I love it. So the kid comes back over says, I can't find the hose stretcher. And Robert has figured that he has not had enough merriment. He says, well, the chief just got, o got over here. Why don't you go ask him where the hose stretcher is? Now, let me explain to you. My chief at the time worked overnights. He got up about partway through drill, walked over to the firehouse, because it was across the street from his house, and spent a couple minutes to relax. This is not the kind of man you want to deal with walking when he first walks in because it's like poking the bear with a sharp pointy stick 
it doesn't turn out very well for the person on the other end of the stick. So I stopped. I stopped the kid, and I and I had him look. I I, I got I got called an a hole for having him search three trucks for the mythical hose stretcher. <laughs> or like Josh says right here, stir the foam tank so the foam doesn't gel up. <laughs> I, I, I have another story just as just as funny as oh, okay, good. that, but. It doesn't deal with the, with the hose stretcher, so uh, I may hold it in case somebody asks something about other tricks pulled on Probies. <laughs> right. Uh, we can go all, that could be a whole separate podcast, an hour oh, of that, just a <laughs> trick you can pull on Probies. Yeah. Okay. The other, and I missed one other one, I guess. One other said? one, yep. And he asked, uh, do you take your radio on family road trips in case there's an emergency on a, a freeway or a road or... This is actually my personal radio. I don't have a charger for it, so it hasn't been programmed. I have a station radio that sits at my firehouse. Um, back when I had the actual radio, I carried all the time. Yeah, that, that radio used to sit in my vehicle all the time. Nice. All right, you said you had some other questions there, Rescue? Popped in. Yeah, Tyler Murray, thank you for that stream like, by the way. Um, I have one from Lily. I have another one from Charlotte. Perfect. Um, but we're going to do Lily's first, uh, just because we've already done one from Charlotte. Got says, uh, um, have like, either, can it be firefighters or have either one of you there? ever stayed and fought a brush or a house fire? More than what you wanted to. <laughs> Freddie, you want to take the lead on that one? <laughs> Hell yeah, once you're there, you're there. You know what I mean? Uh, like I said, that uh, fire I was talking about back in the day, we were there for two days, man. Most of the guys were there for two days. You catch food in the back of a truck or... You know, the fire's still going to go out. Probably the best one has to be Josh because he's, you know, uh, fire, you know, he's, yeah, fire warden. So uh, even the bush crew, you know, those uh, guys that handle those bush fires, fire wardens and stuff, I think they pen up and then just take a few hour nap and then let that get in it again. So one of the major incidents, you almost there until it's over. I mean, you can leave, you know, I mean, some guys got to leave for work, you know. When you're a volunteer, you know, we don't get paid to do this. You know, volunteers don't get paid for this, so guys lose work, guys lose work hours or have to go back to work. You know, if it's under control and you can leave back to work, most guys try to go back, you know, don't go, you know, go maybe shower and then go right back to work, so. I don't know what else, uh, oops, what else I can tell you, so. Can you hear me okay? Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I turned you up on my end. Now I got my stream all messed up. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, got Jason Moffat sitting in here. He's another guy that I, might, that I might ask if he wants to be a part of this. He's a deputy chief down in uh, Jersey. So I may be talking to you about this, Jason, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and here's... Uh, here's another one. 
Um, I don't have it quite so much because I don't run the medical side of it anymore. Oh wait, I forgot to answer, I forgot to answer Lily's question, didn't I? Well, I <laughs> I didn't answer my I didn't answer the last question either. Oh well, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, like Freddie said, yes, and especially if it is in your if it is your fire district's call, you're committed until the instant commander says you can leave. Um, if you're out of district, there's a little bit more leeway. You still have to check with IC, but if you're at, you know, if we're somewhere else on a call with them and then we get another, and we get a big call, most of the time they just tell you, yep, get out of here. Um, but yeah, if you, if you, if it is a call in your district, you're there. I mean, you're, you're committed. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Oh, another car accident around here. <laughs> oh. uh, Mike, if you want, Josh can join Discord real quick and talk about being a fire warden. About how they have to deal with that if you want. Um, as far as um, as far as hanging out at a fire scene, um, I've had to, I've had been called. You know, well, you want to take and one of the things you want to do is you want to relax as an assistant chief. One of the things you have that you have to do, or you may get tasked to do, is if they set fire watch on a piece of property, you're stuck there watching oh, that property. Fire watch, yeah. <laughs> um, so fire watch is a pain right in the rear end. Um, also, I had a high-speed chase that went through my district, and a guy—the guy actually crashed up on one of the state roads um, that goes through like uh, a forest area. And after we had him and his passenger excavated—or not excavated, but extracted—and um, sent to hospitals and that they had to do an investigation and you know I was like okay I've done with this I can get home because I actually ended my stream my game stream for it to actually run the call which those of you guys who I'll go into rescue gaming and watch the stream you know when the pager goes off the stream goes off too because mm -hmm. I'm I'm on my way. And so uh, I ended up taking and I ended up sitting for, I think it was about four hours until DOT actually got up there to put up barricades while they were actually doing the accident reconstruction and everything. Just sitting there at the end of the road in a truck with my lights on doing absolutely nothing. Yep, and that goes back to what we talked about the, you know, the eighty percent of calls just being nothing calls. I think that happens every fatal accident. That ended, that they end up always in the terms of being an eight-hour call usually. Yeah, usually. Now uh, this one, thankfully, was not a fatal accident, but the person did do quite some damage to some trooper vehicles. So I'm guessing that's why they did it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Those dang troopers, always in the way. <laughs> Alright, you got more questions over there, Rescue? Uh, yeah, I got one. I got another one from Charlotte Jackson saying, do you guys get a lot of mental health calls? I don't because I don't run, my station doesn't run an ambulance or as we term it, as some of us in the fire service term it, a bus. Um, and I, I was an EMT for six years and luckily I didn't have to deal with too many of those calls. Um, but some, it, it goes by the area, you know, the demographic of the population there will determine whether you have a lot of mental health calls or not. Charlotte, at least for me, um, and I'll kick that one to Mike. Uh, yes, uh, well, I should say yes. Our ambulance that we have at the station will run, uh, and now with the whole COVID pandemic and everything i see that's not mine but radio's going off right now um but with the whole covid pandemic and stuff there has been a huge increase in in um we call them psychiatric calls um sometimes it turns in where they need the fire department a lot of times not it's usually just law and ems usually um but yeah since the since the pandemic started, everybody's been locked in their house. in their house. We have seen a huge, huge uprise in, in psychiatric calls. Yeah, it's a pan, global pandemic does seem to does seem to spike that a little bit. And I've got a question about that myself, but I'm going to wait for Freddie to answer the call from when he was in about uh, mental health calls, if he had a abundance of them or not. Uh, most of mine were up when I ran on the ambulance. When you ran on the ambulance, then you had the uh, three or two calls. Most of it was from the police department there first, then had somebody transported over to the hospital, or even from the hospital to the uh, local psych ward. We would do <laughs> not much of transports back and forth, but we had to tie somebody to a stretcher and then transform the facility because they always wanted to hurt themselves. So. Yeah. I'm sure it's been worse nowadays, that's for sure. Yeah, most of the time, police get involved first before the EMS uh, even go into the scene to see if it's uh, safe for them to even enter. And uh, sometimes, I don't know where, how it is with you guys there, but when I used to have, um, when I used to have to run uh, psychiatric me. calls, um, they would have us staged and... Uh, have law go in just to make sure the scene was safe first. Yep. Um, if, uh, if you guys remember being an EMT, the first thing on the first thing on your any of your uh, practical sheets, BSI is scene safe. BSI scene safe. Yep. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Yep. All right, and it looks like uh, we got a question from Steven. What was the worst call you were on? Um, man, I'll, I'll let Rescue start, or Freddie start, whichever one, but uh, that question comes up a lot, and it comes up in our streams a lot, too. Um, it does. But, but and I, I, will, I will answer it this one time, um, yes. but 
you know, I know that question comes up a lot, but next time you go to the take and you want to ask um, a first responder about a call, don't ask them their worst call. That's like us asking you to recount the worst nightmare that you have ever had in your entire life over okay, and yeah. over Absolutely. and over again. Yep. Freddie, you want to you wanna start, Freddie? Well, one thing, you never forget your bad calls. You remember them with every bad call you've been on. And I guess I just give an example. Most of the bad calls I've been on are auto accidents. So, yeah. Uh, made one of our, you know, highways around the area with a motorcycle that got run over by a track trailer. We basically had to uh, scoop him up in a bucket. Yeah. We were there for quite some time. Quite, quite some time. So it was a bad call, so. Yeah. Lots of those. Lots of those. Too many when you want to count. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, my, my, also my town was involved. I guess the worst call was going for our own brothers. Uh, going to a barn fire on our way. An engine, you know, going down one of the back roads, got off the engine, off the side of the road. Engine ended up crashing. And then we had to, you know, other trucks are pulling up, coming towards our other truck that was smashed up on the side of the road. So that, those are the worst calls. I and mean, if I was people you know or your pers your personnel, that are on an incident. You, know, you see, I guess you see a couple of those once in a while where a truck uh, ends up getting an accident going to a call. So I think those are the worst ones you have to deal with. Thank God none of the guys are hurt, but we still had to, uh, you know, divert crews to that incident, plus still deal with the bonfire at the same time. So. Right. And Stephen, you, you don't have to be sorry for asking this. We get, every first responder gets asked this question every time. Um, and, and we'll talk about this on a different podcast, but you know, they're always talking about PTSD for traumatic, you know, things that happen to people traumatically, you know, military and other people. But there, there's a huge thing they've been missing is the first responder PTSD. Um, a lot that hasn't been talked about enough. Um, and we'll save that for for a different podcast. We'll we'll talk about. Uh, first responder PTSD and um, and things like that, but yeah, you don't have to be sorry for asking that. It, it, everybody asks that question to every first responder. It's just a question. It, it, it always comes up. It does. It's just I my whole thing is it's it's my whole thing trying to because that triggers that can trigger some PTSD in a lot of people, and um, I just it's my my own. Little private pet peeve right. with that. Oh, yeah, I understand you're curious, but just remember you're you're taking asking that question. You take someone down a dark road. Yeah, and I, I think Freddie and Rescue both can kind of agree with me that the first responder PTSD has not been brought up enough. Um, has not. It's it's bad, and I, I've lost a lot of. A lot of friends, a lot of good firefighters to suicide because of these calls. You know, their worst calls. And some of them, well, most of them that I know that have done this involve kids. Uh, pretty much any call with a kid is bad. 
it, it's really bad for us, especially if the if you have kids that age. Yeah, once you're a dad, any kind of call that you have that involves kids just makes it a bad call. Um, I will give um, the my answer for the for the bad call thing. Luckily, does not involve a kid. Um, but my old fire department, we used to have a um, the road used to Y off, and that uh, was one of the thing, one of the hot spots for being T-boned. And uh, somebody in a truck T-boned somebody in a little car, and um, it was a fatal accident. But what made it worse was the force of the impact was so much that um, we actually had to cut the person who was in pieces out of the vehicle and put them in the bag for the coroner. And that's, that is a call that still haunts me to this day. And you can never, can never unsee that. I mean, uh, I, I don't uh, care. I don't care if you're the rock or some guy that is just all that. When you see something like that, you can never unsee it. It will, it will stick with you the rest of your life. Um, yeah, it's bad. Uh, before I answer mine, I just want to read the comment that Vernon had put. It's a really good comment. Uh, he goes, I take my hat off uh, to you all for handling some horrible stuff daily. I can't imagine doing that every day. Just seeing it once every now and then next to the road is already bad enough for me. Um, I appreciate that, Vernon. A lot of people, uh, unlike yourself, go, oh, well, you know, I couldn't get to where I was going. You guys had the road blocked for four hours. Well, that's because we're dealing with stuff just like this. Yeah, and, getting, and uh, you know, the, the whole thing with the, with the whole bad calls and stuff like that, um, the best way that I can put it is uh, engineer from the Detroit Fire Department, Dave Parnell, um, has a famous quote that says, I wish my, my head could forget what my eyes have seen. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a great quote. Um, mine, um, I guess would it kind of, uh, involve a kid. This one's the worst one in 14 or 13 years. This is the worst one for me. Um, it was at the time my best friend, um, he went off the deep end. We no longer talked because of it. And I didn't want to get involved with what he was doing. Um, his little sister, we all grew up together. She was coming home for Thanksgiving. This is two days before Thanksgiving. Um, coming home and went to cross the two sets of railroad tracks she has for her house. Um, and there was a train that had, that had split because they were out of time. So they split so that they could keep the crossing open. Um, she misjudged, didn't think that there'd be a second train. Uh, and came, went across there and the train hit her T-boned her at 65 miles an hour. Um, killed her on impact. I mean, that your body cannot take a, a jolt that hard 
and, and not do damage. Um, what made it bad for me was I was the first engine there. Um, me and the assistant chief at the time. Assistant chief at the time was my dad. So he knew her too. So thankfully, you know, we're kind of set up a ways away. We're getting hoses deployed and stuff because train involved, stuff like that. That was just our protocol is get hoses, get stuff like that ready to go in case something went south. He saw it. He saw who it was and immediately told us to, to pack up and that, that we'd be in service. So, you know, I'm not thinking anything of it. Uh, we get back to the station and he tells me who it is. And I'm, I, you know, I'm a little upset, you know, because I, I know who it is. But the worst part that came for me was two days later, um, the family, the huge family friends, um, needed to get her cell phone and some of her personal stuff out of the car. Cars at the tow yard, it's destroyed. We have to actually use Jaws of Life and cutters and stuff to open the car to get this stuff. Um, I go in there, you know, I, absolutely, family friend, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to help. I know these guys. Um, we get the car open, we find her phone, stuff like that, and I happen to be digging through the glove box because there was something in the glove box they needed, and I found a picture um, from a Halloween picture that was her and my best friend and me and a couple of our other friends. Um, that uh, right there, uh, that that dropped me. Um, it, you know, having she was uh, eighteen, and that's bad enough having her be that young. But it, if it's somebody you grow up with and somebody you know as well, it it makes it that much harder. Um, the you know, there's still times at night that I'm trying to fall asleep. And I will, for some reason, in my head, the radio traffic and everything just replays over and over in my head, and it's it's something I got to deal you with. Get, you think you you think you get you get past it and stuff like that, but sometimes in the deep dark of the night, it, it still comes through. And uh, like Mike was saying, you know, PTSD in the fire service or any emergency service. Um, it doesn't really get talked about a lot. It is gaining a little bit more traction. I know back maybe, you know, 40, 50 years ago, it was, I had a bad call. That's ah, all right, kid. Let's get a beer in you. You'll be fine. And now with bad calls, we can call in uh, what they call CISD uh, or Critical Incident Stress Debriefing Team. And, uh, you know, it's made of all local people. Some of them might be in a, involved in some capacity with the fire service. Some of them not. And it's just so you can debrief about it and um, talk about it. And uh, it's something that's it's good to have because it it's something that it that helps that helps us with uh, our bad calls and trying to get past them to where they're workable. Right, absolutely. Yeah, Vernon, that's that's bad, man. Yeah, it's just, just it's something, you know, like I said, now there's a lot of 
lot of good firefighters out there that are taking their life because these bad calls. There's they they fire departments do their best in incident stress debriefing, but that's just now starting to gain some good traction and there's not a whole lot of a lot of help for us really out there. Not yet anyways. It, it, it's coming, but it's it's taking a while. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's got it's gaining traction, but it's not quite there yet. Right, right. Because you know, a lot of people look at it as, well, you're the ones that we call for help. You're not supposed to need help. Well, sometimes we need help too. Right, we're we're still human. It, that that doesn't change. We still have feelings. We we are still human. Um. You know, there's. I've always used the same. I have seen stuff that I don't wish upon my worst enemy because there's been stuff that bad. Um, you know, there's. You don't. You know, there's people that say, "Well, you guys signed up for this. You guys knew what you're getting into." Well, yes, to a point we do, but you know. We go to a home that, you know, like the other day, we went to a home for a 40-year-old guy who just fell. We did CPR for two and a half hours and never got him back. You know, that, uh, after a while, that takes a toll on you. It's, it, yes, I knew going into this job, I'm going to run into stuff like that. But I am still human. It still does affect us in a way. Yeah, it, it it does affect us. And, you know, dispatch for a call for somebody who fell down and then you end up doing CPR. I mean, that's another, um, that's another instance where a bull crap call turns into an oh crap call. Yep. Uh, I've had one of those myself. Um, and I, if you guys want me to tell it now, I will. That is, you are it is, it is, this podcast is open for anything rescue so you can do okay you can do whatever you well, like <laughs> I was an EMT that my old department we didn't run a bus or an ambulance we contracted with um, with the closest commercial ambulance service um, which was a small city in central New York um, but uh, my department did run first responders, so I'm run to the scene before the ambulance, and nine times out of ten, it's just me. And uh, guy right. had Vernon, difficulty right. breathing, and this is something I'm sure every EMT in the world can uh, can can you know relate to. Walk into this guy, difficulty breathing. The guy's sitting on the couch, probably about 350 pounds. Um, he's got an oxygen machine behind a little fort of stacked up cigarette cartons. He's on oxygen and he smokes at the same time. I understand smoking is an addiction. It's hard to kick. I know. I've been there, done it, still fighting with it. But, you know, we've always... 
all of us who are EMTs, we can we can all say, yep, we've been to this house where this guy's on oxygen, but yet he's smoking too. Um, but call came in. Uh, call came in was um, a Bravo response, difficulty breathing, which Bravo isn't really all that high of a priority. Um, and as I'm getting my non-rebreather set up to put on this guy, he goes <coughs> and codes on me right there. I am by myself. The ambulance is a good two minutes out. And I've got to... I will say adrenaline is awesome because I was able to yank that 350-pound man off his couch and onto the floor. Um, it wasn't gentle by any by any means. However, if he says ow and calls me a bastard, he's alive. So I'll chalk that into the plus column. Um, but yeah, I ended up I ended up thumping on this poor guy's chest New Year's Eve of um, 2008. It was New Year's Eve of 2008. I remember it. Yeah, and that, I mean, that happens. And then also, like, with the rescue saying, yeah, ambulance is two minutes out, and people go, oh, well, they, you know, they're right there. No. When that happens, that is the longest two minutes of your life. I guarantee it. You are just begging for help. And when you're by yourself and you've got the family there, I sent the, I sent the wife outside. I said, watch for the ambulance and wave them down, knowing the ambulance was two minutes out. Just so I had room to work. Yep. Um, of course, you know, I got on the radio to you know the fire the the fire comm center, fire control center, and I was like, "You need to tell them to rush the bus. This is now a code." Yep. Yeah. 